last road trip of the rocket season. This is Jonathan Fagan with Danielle Lerner in the Texas Sports Nation Rockets podcast. I am in Brooklyn, New York, New York, USA. Or I should say, hello, Brooklyn. Maybe you could tell me, what, what is that? What, why are they so obsessed with hello, Brooklyn? Don't look at me. I just love Brooklyn for the, the bagels and the pizza. Yeah, and my birthplace. And so you'd think I would know why hello, Brooklyn. But the Rockets are here. They will play the Brooklyn Nets in the biggest game of this or any other year. Obviously, hey, the Rockets could help their draft position as long as they win or lose. So I, I think that's good for them that they can help their draft position with a loss because obviously that would solidify the best odds in the draft lottery on May 17th, or they could help their draft position maybe with a win because they get the Nets pick. So if the Nets somehow fail to make the playoffs, uh, every loss improves the Rockets draft position with the Nets pick. I I think they're going to try to win and not so sure how that will go. <laughs> we saw what happened when they ran into, a, a, let's just say, a play-in contender with the Timberwolves. And that's certainly what they're playing tonight, that the Nets are locked into the play-in. It did not go well prior to the Rockets' big comeback. It was looking like it was going to be a blowout. Rockets were down 27 points with just under two minutes ago in the third quarter. And then it seemed like the Timberwolves... Got a little bit lazy, but also Josh Christopher just decided to put his foot on the gas um, and the Rockets decided to get some stops. So that's always nice when you get stops. It allows you, when you're scoring more, to actually make a dent in a deficit. Uh, but that's been the Rockets' problem all season is that sometimes they can score, but then they don't defend. Uh, they rarely do both at the same time. So whereas Brooklyn, they definitely have two guys who can score. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and they don't get much help from anyone else on their team, but they can defend decently. So it, it will be interesting. But of course, you know, KD had 55 the other night against the Hawks and Kyrie had 31, I think, in that game. And they the Nets still lost. So I don't know if that gives the Rockets hope or not. Uh, probably not. But uh, you know what? The Nets could use a guy like a really like a 6'10" just ball mover who could really defend. I can't think of one of them. Well, you know what? Like Ben Simmons type, but he won't be playing tonight or for the rest of the regular season or in the play-in game or games, uh, depending on how it goes for the Nets. Uh, Still not a bad trade for the Nets. James Harden is struggling, absolutely struggling, as he was on and off, at least as a scorer with the Nets. The Nets got help in Curry and Drummond even while they wait for the big prize in that trade, which would be Ben Simmons. You mentioned Josh Christopher, and you wrote about this on Sunday night. You know, right now the Rockets, uh, Rocket fans to some degree have checked out while waiting for the draft lottery in the draft. And and you sort of already formed opinions about the young guys. Hopeful, and so it's almost become, okay, let's see what they will be in their second year. But we are continuing to see Young guys, not so much Garuba, although he's getting minutes, but obviously he's got a longer way to go, given he's played so little. But the other three first-round picks have continued to progress. Josh Christopher, and it's funny, I was happy that I did a feature on him that day and didn't jinx him. 
hooray for me. That that's one in a row. But Josh Christopher, Jalen Green, and Alperin Shangun are continuing to progress, which is about the best you can hope for at this stage of the season. Pretty much. Um, and I mean, as as checked out as some of the fan base is, you know, it's it was kind of a, a fun atmosphere in the building in during the fourth quarter because the people who were there do get excited, even if they thought there was no chance at, at you know, a real comeback in the game, they do get excited seeing all of those young guys um, perform and, you know, and they are improving notably. Um, Josh Christopher has always been pretty good um, uh, shooting wise and in the mid range, but he, he scored most of his points against the Timberwolves off of penetration, um, just being really, really aggressive and getting to the basket. I think he maybe had like one or two step backs, but other than that, it was all finishing at the rim. Um, and that's what they need from him to kind of diversify what he can bring because he's going to be playing in combination with so many different players, which we're seeing him more now at the end of the season playing alongside both Green and Kevin Porter Jr., but that's not always necessarily going to be the case. Um, sometimes he may be stuck more in the second unit, so he needs to be able to do things on his own. And as far as Shingun is, is concerned, um, I mean, he was kind of getting bullied by Carl Anthony Towns for a lot of the night. And then he told Silas in the fourth quarter, like, look, we ought to stop doubling him because we're giving up too many open shots to other guys. So let me defend him one on one. And he did a pretty admirable job. Um, Towns, I think it went like three of five in the fourth quarter um, for six points, but it wasn't overwhelming by any means. And just having him having the confidence to take on that assignment and say that he wants it, I think is a really, really big step. And I feel like we've talked about Jalen so much over the last couple of weeks on this podcast. I don't need to say too much else about him, but you know, he's, he's doing stuff that you look at the other names who have done that um, in terms of rookies in NBA history. And it's people like Allen Iverson and Michael Jordan. And Elvin Hayes, Big E. You have to go back among Rockets history to, for a rookie to have this many consecutive 30 point games. You have to go all the way back to San Diego and Elvin Hayes. And so, yeah, it, it, we, we talk about him every week, but although I do, yes, he, he made a decision to look for his shot more aggressively when the veterans were sat down, when Eric Gordon, Dennis, Schenk, Dennis Schroeder and, uh, and Christian would, were sat down for the rest of the year. He said, okay, go look for my shot. But he would not have been able to find his shot as well as he has early in the year. He has learned how to get those shots, where, when, how. He has learned that. And so it's been a, a successful season for him in that he has learned that, and this is the result of that, uh, which is a good thing. You know, you mentioned Josh Christopher. I, I do think, and he thinks he's going to have to be more of a catch-and-shoot three-point threat to get larger minutes in the future with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, who are going to have the ball in their hands. And if he can, then his ability to put the ball on the floor and score off the bounce, get to the rim, and all those things we saw the other night will become that much more effective. Nobody works harder than Josh Christopher. He is absolutely determined no one will work harder than me. And if someone tries, he will then step it up to the next level because he, he is that determined. He, he, you got to think it's going to pay off as, as a shooter, that he will be able to be a catch-and-shoot threat. Maybe he's their future Eric Gordon. Uh, you know, Eric Gordon 
has been a knockdown shooter since he's about 14. Uh, you know, his dad gave him just perfect shooting form for range shooting and got a really great career out of that. He didn't become one. He, he has been one forever. But, you know, Josh Christopher goes 6'5", 220. You know, he, he's going to even get more solid. He, he has a defensive mindset. If he can be a space the floor guy, he can play some real minutes for this team in the future, particularly if they're using their draft picks this year for bigs. If they're not having to use it for one of the guys who would come after the first three picks, the bigs. So I, I, that's why the, these last weeks have been meaningful, I think, for him, because uh, he is showing he was up and down. Not, you know, last night, last game was up, way up, but he's been up and down. But, you know, every time he shows potential and every time he grows, it's the same as what we said last month and the month before about Jalen Green. It's something he can build on. Well, and, and to your point about the, the work ethic, he was saying that he spent Saturday night um, at Toyota Center in the gym with uh, one of his older brothers, Caleb, who you know plays at Tennessee Tech, started out playing with Josh at, at Arizona State. And they were just playing one-on-one the whole night. And he kind of was like, I felt good and I had my rhythm. And I just carried that over into the game uh, on Sunday. He was like, I made my first three and that was it. Like I knew I was like going off. Um so, so much, and we've talked about this a little bit when it came to Garuba getting back on the floor and playing more minutes. A lot of it with these young guys is just about confidence. And I don't think that Josh, Jalen, or Alpi have really ever lacked confidence. They're pretty confident in their ability uh, as it is. But, you know, getting these type of game minutes at the end of the season here, even if the games themselves are not that meaningful, um, it is meaningful because it allows them to to really understand that they can get in a rhythm. They know that they're going to have the opportunity um, to do that in the game and they can adjust within games um, to good or bad plays and have the freedom to do that without, you know, kind of being subbed out and, and being impacted by bigger rotations. And one other thing before we leave Josh Christopher uh, he plays against the Nets tonight, and his first real breakthrough game was on his birthday against the Nets, and he goes seven for seven. He makes all seven of his shots, four of which were threes, scores 18 points, and the Rockets beat the Nets, uh, which is the last time that they've won consecutive games. More than two consecutive games. That was the end of the seven-game streak, and then since then they have not won more than two in a row. Exactly, because uh, they finally won consecutive games when they beat Portland. So that was their last winning streak of more than two. And so uh, the Nets will probably, I guess, to some degree, have Josh Christopher in their game plan, which will be a little defensive game plan, which will be a little different. Uh, of course, that game was also different for other reasons. No Kyrie, no uh, Kevin Durant, but James Harden played. And so... Uh, those things will all be different. And, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to get to see those guys because they are so spectacular. Uh, the Rockets go from here to Toronto, uh, a team also with something on the line, and then finish up with the Atlanta Hawks for the season finale on Sunday. And then it, and I don't think these three games, I think they're useful for the individual players. At this point, I don't think they help 
the team really with much assessment. I think at this point, three point three games doesn't influence you one way or another. I get then that's why I, I have come to understand more and more, especially now that we're in the last week, the idea of looking at lottery odds so much that, as you said, and I think it was a great point, and it's one we've seen all year, fans in the arena are absolutely rooting for their team. And, and they've been, and those fans, I've said it before, but it's been remarkable how in this terrible season, right now the Rockets have the worst, tied for the worst record in the league, and they had the worst record in the league last year. Those fans have been nothing but patient and understanding about it. The Rockets can be down 17 in, in six minutes left, and K.J. Martin can have some dunk and the place go crazy. Well, you know, great dunk. It's like, yeah, you're going to lose again here. And they're okay with it. And yet they also are pulling for wins. So the people who pay to be there do want the Rockets to win. That said, here's just a quick look at what it means to lose. If the Rockets have the worst record in the league, and rather than tied with the Magic, they'd have a 48% chance of picking fifth, which would be as far as they can fall, 52% chance of being in the top four. You know, 12% to finish fourth, 14% to pick with the first pick. So you're not, you had the worst record, woohoo, you're not getting necessarily the first pick. It's a 14% chance that you'd win the lottery but 52% chance that you get in the top four, which is where you want to be. If you finish with the second worst, you can fall a 20% chance of falling to sixth. And, you know, a, a 48% chance of fifth or sixth, which is about the same as being fifth. You, you don't want to be there. So at this point, it's win-win. If you win, you win, and if you lose, you win. Hey, life should always be like that. <laughs> that's uh, that should be a that's a good tagline for this episode. I think um, that the lottery, by the way, for people who don't know, is May seventeenth. Oh yeah, we can't wait. The drama that will unfold. It's not the same as last year, although finishing fifth or sixth would be, or picking fifth or sixth would be a, a great disappointment to people who've been waiting for the lottery all year rather than games against the Nets, Raptors, and Hawks. But it's not like last year where they went in with a very real chance of falling out of the top four, as we described this year, same odds, in which case Oklahoma City would have taken their pick and the Rockets would have picked 18th instead of Jalen Green second. And this hasn't ever gotten talked enough about. and Maybe that it's a good time to bring it up since – I'm in Brooklyn and they're playing the Nets, the team that the Rockets made the trade with, that had the Rockets taken more of the ready-made players, Jared Allen, who I thought would have been a terrific pickup for them, Karis LeVert, who many people around the country thought would have been a very good pickup for them, they probably don't have the worst record in the league. They probably are later in the first round and therefore they probably lose that first round pick and don't have Jalen Green right now. So the number one reason for hope with this team would be on some other team had they done the trade that way. Now, they did choose to take a swing at Victor Oladipo, 
and see if he would be ready to immediately be back to the all-star Victor Oladipo, which he was not ready to be. And they traded him. Part of the reason they made that decision, Oladipo rather than Levert, is in making those calls at the time of the trade deadline prior, well, not the trade deadline, in January, prior to the Harden trade, they found it would be easier to move Oladipo than Levert because they were shopping him around to see if they can move him right there and then. And uh, that's what they learned, believed, and they eventually did choose to move Oladipo and just go for that worst record, get the high draft pick. In this case, they got Jalen Green. But And then the other part of the Harden-Nets trade is they wanted to load up with as many unprotected picks as possible because you never know. That's what they did with the trade with Miami to say, okay, they could switch draft positions to where they could change the Nets pick to a Miami pick. Well, that's not going to pan out. Miami's been better than the Nets. And so that they're not going to do it. But they wanted one more chance of something happening. They did a trade with Milwaukee. You know, say Kevin Durant's foot was a size 15 and Milwaukee gets eliminated and Giannis moves on before that pick, which is next year. And maybe then that becomes. So all of these moves were to just have one more chance at getting really lucky. Well, it turned out the pretty lucky happened this year. Nobody could have predicted Kyrie would play almost no home games or Kevin Durant would go out for a month or Harden would force his way out of town. But that's what happened. There was a chance at a lottery pick. It, it is crazy when you think about it. Yeah. And that's what they, they weren't betting on those particular things happening. But just as many chances of, of the miracle thing happen, or even not miracle, the, the possible, just low odds, but possible happening. And we've seen right away, that's why you do it. Because no one would have predicted this, I don't think. And they could lose. They, they could fall into that one and done play-in game. And in one game, you could lose it. Now, granted, the lottery odds are not great. <laughs> you know, if the Rockets get the 14th pick, you know, it's probably not going to uh, merit much of anything. It's like a 0.7% chance at winning it. Uh, I think a 3.4% chance of getting in the top four, 3.4%. But I think I've said it before on the podcast. I've known I've said it around. It would be such a better story if the Rockets win the lottery with the Nets pick and don't win it with their own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think a lot of people would love that. Well, I think a lot of people, I, I don't want to name anyone, but on the corner of Polk and LaBranche might enjoy that. You know, so that part yes. of downtown Houston might enjoy that possibility. Uh, and I'd like it just because it would be a fun story to write for one night in Chicago, you know, at the at the uh, pre-draft camp and the lottery. And that goes all the way back to, hey, one more reason for the Rockets to go out and win tonight. Maybe they can. You think that? I don't know if that'll be part of the Stephen Silas pregame talk. Go out there and get the draft pick, men. I don't, I, I can ask him, I guess. Nah, they just, <laughs> they don't want to even think like that. And they're to their credit. You know, they talk, I think it was Josh Christopher said to you, or Kevin Porter Jr. said to you, Josh Christopher said to me, no, we're going to try and win, build momentum. They've said it so consistently and in the same way, it sounds like something that has been said to them and among them 
try and finish strong and feel some momentum going into next year. I, I don't think they're really concerned with the other teams and, and their position. I'm sure some of these guys understand everything that we just talked about in terms of the lottery and value of picks. But um, yeah, they, they want to finish strong and they're concerned with, at this point, their offseason this summer and how it's going to affect them next year. And so I, I do think that, you know, getting some momentum is a very real thing. Um, but more so at, at this point, I think guys are concerned with this summer, what they're going to work on and how that's going to impact next year. And then obviously, you know, the, the lottery and, and draft picks and whoever they add are going to be a part of that, but they can't really think about that right now. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about the really young guys is they're, they're very ambitious and they're for, starting so young as teenagers and seeing what the NBA is about, they're very determined to make something out of this offseason. The summer means a lot to them, and they talk about it a lot. Um, and I think they've gotten a sense in these last bunch of games, and losing twice to the Kings without Fox and Sabonis, uh, there's another reminder. There's a long, long way to go. But I, I think they do – this has sort of – reinforce that, that you got to make these strides now and through the summer, not next season. You got to make them then too, but no, you got to do work. And maybe that's one of the offshoots. I, I might say benefits of sitting Wood, Schroeder and Gordon down the stretch. It, it has sort of added to the sense of responsibility of the young guys as you guys are going to have to make this happen and you're not ready yet. You're not ready to beat some of the Kings Curious, now that we've seen it for a little while, what do you think about the decision to have set the three veterans? I mean, I don't think it's hurting at this point, right? I mean, obviously, they'd have a better chance at some wins if those guys were playing. But at this point in the season, these last couple of weeks, wins are only going to you know, be marginally beneficial. And I think that you need to gather information if you're Stephen Silas and his staff um, and you're going to get that more from playing these young guys together, especially the end of more, end of bench guys. Um, and as you said, these last three games, y- yeah, you're not, you're not really taking that much info from them. But as a whole, these last couple weeks, um, collectively, I think are really valuable informationally, um, and valuable for the players themselves to get more of a feel. Um, it's not a huge difference, as we've said before, playing, you know, 25 minutes a night versus 18, um, something like that. But it's, it's the different combinations. Twitter says that's huge. That's everything. It's an abomination. (laughs) If, yeah, Twitter says, but it's the different combinations on the floor, right? Think about this. Like if you have your normal rotation size and you're putting Dennis Schroeder in with the second unit or, or Eric Gordon in with second unit or whatever it may be, that's just, Limiting the the different lineups and combinations that you can have um, with guys like Garuba and Christopher. Um, so the fact that you are eliminating some of those pieces from the puzzle just automatically is giving you the ability to look at different things. Yeah. I mean, they've done it with Nix and Christopher playing a lot together too. And obviously Nix wasn't going to play a lot with the ball in his hands uh, with Schroeder playing. And, you know, he's another guy. He, he's got a lot of work to do, but he did show promise in the G League and maybe he developed as much as he could. He did tell me, I, I 
haven't written this story yet, but once the Rocket season's over, he'd love to go back and try and finish the year in the playoffs with the Vipers. And so he, he made a lot. His Viper season, you know, he was in the running for MVP of the, of the G League at that time. Uh, he was one of those guys, or at least all G League. You know, I don't know that that's something you say at your retirement ceremony, but uh, he, he showed a lot there. But mostly what he showed was promise rather than or potential, rather than he's ready. Uh, and then I think these last games showed, okay, he's got some work to do. Uh, you know, physically too. He, he's, I think he carries, he's a big guy who moves well. He moves his feet well defensively. You can see him put ball pressure. You know, he looks pretty good at that size, but I think he's going to have to get slimmer, stronger uh, in the coming years. You know, this guy just turned 20. And so uh, that, that can happen for him. You know, I'll, I'll go one quick that's before we finish up, we'll go back to Jalen since so much of everything is about him anyway. There was a drive I saw, and I think it was in Dallas, and then I saw it again Sunday against the Timberwolves where he got through the crowd and he tucked the ball up high, held it high like a running back almost. Because remember early in the year, he kept losing it. And everybody said, it's his strength, it's his strength. And it, it, his hands aren't gigantic, you know, for as a high, some high scores can be. So he... He is learning maybe how to protect the ball better. And that's good. That's a good thing to do. But to me, with that thought, he has really shown a lot of ability to see an issue, maybe look at it, depending on the kind of issue, looking at it on video and making the correction. And he's done that so quickly. There's so many ways you have to do. He's done that defensively, getting around over through screens defensively. He's so much better than he was. The willingness to do that when, okay, you're the second pick of the draft and you're a star and, you know, you, you're famous already and everything else, you, you're getting the money, the shots, the, the touches, the minutes you're getting. No, he, he is working on being better at the things nobody celebrates, like taking care of the ball as you drive through the lane or getting through a screen defensively. And in a lot of ways, that bodes really well almost as well as a run of 30 point games. Yeah, those are really, really good points. And I do think obviously the strength thing, even Steven Silas has said it. Yes, he needs Jalen Green needs to get a little bit stronger uh, this offseason. But it's those little details that, you know, maybe some 19 and 20 year olds aren't thinking about every single day. Um, Footwork and release points, although we've talked about Jalen's funky shot and protecting the ball on drives, those little things are what's going to make the difference between being good and great down the road. So does he get his 30 tonight? In Brooklyn? Um, I don't know if he'll get it with a bunch of three-pointers. Their three-point defense has been pretty pretty decent. But if, if he, you know, if he can protect the ball on drives like we just talked about, maybe so. Yeah, their rim protection is pretty iffy too. But... When Durant is in, he, his help defense is really good, very underrated. Now, I'm going to say he gets it today, but it ends in Toronto. Toronto, Nick Nurse will come up with all kinds of funky defenses just for the fun of it. You know, they, they, they do more different things defensively than anybody, just about. Clippers do a bunch of things, and that gave the Rockets all kinds of trouble um, in one of the games anyway. 
and the one before the All-Star break. I'll say he gets it tonight, which would be quite an accomplishment to make it five in a row. Uh, but then it ends in Toronto and then go for 50 and against whoever the Hawks. No, <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we'll have, we'll talk about all that next week. Next week, we kind of have some off-season stuff to talk about. So uh, I'm sure we'll have some access and conversations with front office types as the season ends. And so we'll have a whole lot of new stuff to talk about next week. And then we'll start looking a little more at the draft too. But till then, thank you for everybody for joining us on the Texas Sports Nation Rockets podcast. For Danielle Lerner, I'm Jonathan Fagan, and we'll see you next week.